Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben and this is the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Hey family, I hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. This episode is part of my US road trip series where I travel through several states competing at the Houston World's Barbecue Championships and learning as much about barbecue as possible. The trip starts in Texas before going across to Louisiana and then up into Arkansas. It was a hell of a trip and I'm so excited to be able to share it with you. Before we get into it, I want to invite you to come join us at the Smoking Hot Confessions community on Facebook. It's a great place to continue the conversation. Also, make sure you get your free copy of my ebook, 27 Lessons Learned from Competition Barbecue. Jump on over to smokinghotconfessions.com slash ebooks to get your copy now. Finally, however you listen to this episode, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. This will really help me spread that barbecue love. All right, it is time to dig in, folks. One of the things I love about barbecue comps is the networking that happens. One of the fantastic connections I made at the Houston World's Barbecue Championships was Craig Verhaag, the Barbecue Ninja. He was there helping out one of the British teams and was also working with another team as well doing whole hogs for their evening soirees. He's been competing for four times longer than our whole scene has been operating, has a wealth of knowledge, he's a TV celebrity, and in this episode, he's going to be giving us a lesson in whole hog cooking. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? A key player in the barbecue scene is Clean Heat Charcoal. Whether it's sponsoring festivals, supporting teams, or supplying the fuel for your backyard cookouts, Abel and his team work tirelessly to bring you the best barbecue experience. Their charcoal burns hot and it burns long. Clean Heat Charcoal embraces their global responsibilities as an industry leader, and all of their products are 100% natural, sustainable, and eco-friendly. The charcoal is made from an invasive species that is destroying valuable farmland in Namibia, and they offer locals employment opportunities they wouldn't otherwise have. Whether it's cooking burgers in your backyard or saving the planet, you can rest assured knowing it's made with clean heat. Clean Heat Charcoal is available all around Australia and will be hitting the US shortly. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram to learn more. Welcome to The Confessional, mate. Thanks for taking the time to chat with me. And uh, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's been an awesome weekend and, uh, you know, full of barbecue and full of uh, hard work and fun. And, and so, you know, just doing what I do. So, hey, life's good. That's awesome, man. And so what have you been doing this weekend? Uh, we cooked in an event in uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, here in the States. And uh, it was a an event very near and dear to our heart called hogs for the cause it raises money for uh, kids with pediatric brain cancer and um we've kind of been a part of this event from its infancy and and has watched it you know blossom into uh to a uh, thing to do event and uh but it, it was great weather was great and uh pulled off raising 1.5 million dollars for the kids and and uh you know so feel good Mate, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Cooking some barbecue, doing some good in the world. You're exactly right. That's what it's all about. <laughs> so my my standard question then, I, I I guess you've pretty much already answered that. The last thing that you cooked was a was a whole hog, obviously. How did that turn out? <laughs> 
Ah, the hog turned out really well. You know, this event we do the the, the whole hog and uh, we do ribs, we do pork shoulder, and also a, it's called a pork puree, uh, which can be anything uh, under the sun. You know, that, that involves pork, and uh, but the hog turned out real well. Um, you know, we got it on yesterday. Probably when I say yesterday, no, it's actually Friday. Uh, probably about about eight o'clock, seven o'clock in the evening. And, uh, you know, we had to present at 11 o'clock in the morning and, uh, you know, just, uh, kept the temperature constant all night long, set it on, you know, 225 to 250 and, and, uh, let it run on into the morning. Mate, that sounds like a great way to spend a night to me. I'm, I'm jealous. I couldn't be there. <laughs> well, we'd love to have you and Matt put this on the calendar next year. Just come to Houston and stay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'd, I'd, I'd love to. So I know that you do a lot of work with, uh, with your barbecue teams and your restaurants and all that sort of stuff. But what do you actually cook on at home for yourself? What's on your back porch? Uh, on my back porch, I got a, a, a Weber um, Smoky Joe. You know, it's a small unit, uh, charcoal burner, and and uh, you know, it's just the wife and I and a cat. So. Uh, you know, I don't need a large grill, but, you know, it's just something quick, something easy, and something to throw the, the roll of lump charcoal in and and uh, let it rip. But uh, that's that's what I've got on my back porch, sitting on the table. You know, it's funny you say that. I just bought one just a little while ago, and mine is sitting on my back porch right now, and I've just used it the last two nights in a row. I love it. <laughs> well, there we go. Great minds think alike. Yeah, exactly. So tell us a bit about your, your history with barbecue. How did you get into it? Well, I tell you, I, I actually, uh, back in 1994, um, you know, I had some, some buddies just out of school and out of college uh, that I knew real well and went to school with. And and we decided a little local, you know, barbecue competition to throw a team together. And, and uh, you know, we, we had cooked a little bit together at different functions through school and we thought we were all right. And uh, so we decided to enter the professional part of it. And, you know, it's just one of those things that uh, first competition we cooked in, we made the finals and got third place. And when that happened, I, I guess it just kind of got the competitive juices flowing in me. And I was hooked. I was hooked then. And, uh, and I knew that was something that I wanted to do. And, and it just uh, lit a fire in me. And, and it's a fire that hasn't even dimmed since then. It's done nothing but grow. That's a really cool story, man. So was it a fast, slippery slope down into barbecue obsession or, or did you sort of uh, take your time and ease into it? Well, it was, it, it, I, I fell hard, you know, I fell hard and, and, uh, you know, we, uh, uh, you know, decided to do a couple of competitions through the next couple of few years. And, and, uh, we actually cooked Memphis in May for three straight years as, uh, Forking the Please was the name of that team. And, and, uh, you know, it, it just, that, the competitive part of it, the, the love to cook, um, the, the camaraderie of, of, you know, sitting around a fire pot and, you know, hanging out with your friends. And that part of it was, uh, was, was what I really liked. And, and then, you know, we, we went a few years and as typical young guys do some, you know, started getting married and, some started getting careers and, and we just kind of, you know, went different ways. And when that happened, that's when, uh, 
I got a call from Gary Roark, uh, U-Bond's Barbecue of Yazoo, and he said, hey, you know, I see you love cooking. Um, I see that you've got the, the passion to want to do it, and I know your team's breaking up, and we'd love for you to come join us. And, uh, it, of course, it took me about a millisecond to – to tell him yes, and I'd love to, and and uh, so, yeah, it was uh, it was definitely a uh, huge upgrade, and and uh, he was one, of, and still is known as one of the best uh, barbecue cookers out there in the world, and and to get that opportunity was uh, was something I wanted to jump on for sure. Yeah, now I I read that in your bio, and I did a little bit of reading up on on Ubon's. There's a whole lot of history there. They do all sorts of different sauces and restaurants and competitions and all that. So, what's your your involvement there? Are you just in the in the team, or are you uh, sort of more involved in, in in all sorts of different stuff with them? Well, I, I mean, I'm with, with the Ubon's Barbecue of Yazoo. I'm, I'm you know just uh, I'm involved with the team part of it. Uh, you know the restaurant run separate you know i've got my insurance agent sales guy you know by week that i do um and then just come in on the weekends and and uh and and do the cooking and then do the logistics and you know so we we all over the years had know our kind of what we what we're responsible for and what we when we show up what we need to do and it's like a lot of other teams they have team meetings and they have assignments and you know they they, they do that we just show up and we know i mean you we've been doing it so long together you, eye contact's all you need and you know what the other person's thinking and you know what what to do and and, uh, and how to do it so uh i guess it's just one of those long experience things yeah that's beautiful man i love watching um watching teams that have been working together for a long time and you just see them, they're just like one well-oiled machine. It's, it's just, it's incredible to watch. So tell us a bit about some of your successes with that team. Well, hey, man, we've, uh, you know, at Memphis and made uh, world championship. We, we've won a world championship in shoulders. We've won a first, we've won a second, we've won a third, and we've won, gosh, probably 10, 12 other top 10 you know, shoulders there, and, and uh, we're actually this year going to cook whole hog. But we've also, you know, we've had successes at, at the Jack Daniels World Championship. You know, we've got, I think, uh, three top three finishes there as far as uh, one in hog and one in shoulder and uh, and one in rib. So, it's, uh, you know, we've walked some good stages and and um, done some some really good things together. We want to haul the best of the best. And, you know, it's, it's the, this team is kind of really involved from the competition part of barbecue. You know, when you do that and, and kind of build up your reputation and kind of build up, you know, what, what you, your accomplishments then, you know, we, we kind of made a decision about 10 years ago that, that, uh, you know, we're going to kind of use our, our hard work and successes to, you know, go out there and well, do things like we did this weekend, you know, use our name, use our reputation, use our hard work to, you know, to benefit others. And uh, so our team has kind of evolved from that competition team, you know, that, that would run the road and, you know, do 15, 20 comps a year to now we do more festivals and vending and, and we go out and then we'll, we'll help raise money for someone or, you know, as a, uh, 
a competition that wants to, you know, have us come and help them. Uh, just kind of use, you know, what we've done in the past to help others in building a festival or, you know, building a, uh, a foundation to, uh, to hopefully have success in what they're trying to do. Sounds like you found a higher purpose in barbecue, mate. I love it. So you're based in Missouri, and uh, a big part of this season is finding out about barbecue in different regions. Can you fill us in on what sets Missouri and barbecue apart? Well, we're, we're, we're close to Missouri. We're actually in Mississippi. And, uh, and so it's kind of the same region there with Missouri. But, you know, the Mississippi barbecue is, uh, is kind of influenced with, with your Memphis style. Um, we, we also, you know, in Mississippi, we, we do take a little bit of the Carolina, you know, the vinegar and the, but we also sweeten it up with the Memphis style. So we, we kind of have an infusion of a different couple of different regions that, uh, that we use as far as our, you know, Mississippi style barbecue. Um, but we, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're in that region with Memphis and, you know, we like the. The, the sweet barbecue, we like the glaze on it, and and uh, you know that's that's kind of that's kind of what our what our mo is in Mississippi. Man, that sounds so good. Is there is there like a, a particular cut which um, symbolizes Mississippi barbecue? Uh, it, 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 more of the the, the pork shoulder. Um, we we we're a pulled pork area in Mississippi. We like the the uh, uh you know the full pork and, and we like to to sweeten it up and and put it on a bun and put it you know put some good slaw on top of that and and have a wonderful sandwich but and uh so I would have to say yeah the the the, the full pork is what we we really are known for more than anything in Mississippi ah oh, man I I do love some pulled pork So you have a really interesting nickname. You're known as the Barbecue Ninja. How did that come about? It's uh, it's, it's a good story, actually. Um, we uh, it's gosh, it's probably been eight or nine years ago now. Time flies, don't blink. Because if you do, you know, ten years heads head through. Um, but we were there, and there was a film crew there uh, filming a documentary on us. And um, and I always wear a bandana. You know, when I cook, I, I'm, I work hard, I sweat a lot. And uh, so, you know, I've always done that. And I was kind of off to the side. And, you know, it's, it's like when it's, the work starts, I pull the hat off, I put the bandana on. It's kind of a, a mode I go into, a mindset. Once it's on, it's on, you know. And uh, so I was off to the side doing that. And I, you know, put the bandana on my head and strapped it on and looked around. And the guy had the camera, like, right on me. And so I just kind of did a bow to the camera and, and came up and the guy, and the camera guy said, the barbecue ninja, you know, awake. And that, that's, that was it. You know, when he said that it, it caught on and, and, uh, you know, now it's like this weekend, walk around the festival, everybody's like, Hey ninja, hey, ninja, <laughs> you know, Hey, it's, uh, it's fun. It's a good brand. And, and, uh, and I guess you would say it's more of a mindset and a mode that I go into when, uh, when it's time to, time to get down to business. It's time to work and it's time to, to get things done. So call it ninja mode. Yeah, man, sounds good. If you, can, uh, if you can combine something you're already doing with something that's going to stick in people's mind, then that's going to be a perfect, uh, perfect brand point there. 
Now, speaking of which, the business card that you gave me says that Barbecue Ninja is a brand ambassador and consultant. Now, I've just wrapped up a season on different um, different avenues of barbecue business, but can you tell us a little bit about what you do in each of those roles? Well, the you know the the brand amb- ambassador part of it, you know, uh, social media is, as as well. You know, uh, more than anyone, has become a uh, you know a big avenue and a big vehicle uh, to put products and put you know advertisers, sponsors, and all that out there for the you know for the followers to see. And you can be so specific in what you you know what what you kind of put your energies towards like me and barbecue and all that. So when you have someone that comes to you that wants to, you know, do a sponsorship and they know that when you go out there and what you put out there is going to reach that target audience that they're looking for and that they want to, you know, that they want to advertise to you, then that's, that's the brand ambassadoring part of it. You're out representing that brand. You're out, you know, in the trenches, so to speak, using their product and you're putting them out there on social media for everyone and your followers to see. And, and so, you know, that's, that's, that's that part of it, you know, the brand ambassador and, uh, you know, the consultant part of it, you know, that that's a word that that of course is a very broad word. Um, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to use it just because I didn't want to be specific in my energy. You know, I wanted to, be able to help in many, many ways. And, uh, you know, and that's everything from coming to a restaurant and cooking a hog for an event to going to that restaurant and helping them develop, you know, sauces and rubs to, you know, help complement their needs. And also, you know, the consulting part, I've, I've helped some events um, that are new that come about that want to, you know, have barbecue as a part of an event and but they don't understand how a barbecue team works or they don't understand the needs of a barbecue team and you go in and you work with these people and say okay if you're going to bring in you know 10 barbecue teams you need to know their needs you need to know what they're going to need on site you're going to need to know you know what to prepare for and you know we just worked with one leslie and i did and uh and they were wanting to bring in 12 barbecue teams and, and have this big event. And, and once we got to talking to them and, and figure out that, that the capacity that they needed, only six, you know, six teams could do that. They didn't need 12 teams. Well, they didn't understand how much product that one team could produce. But once they understood that, and know that they only need six teams. Well, you know, on average, it costs about $10,000 to bring a team in. So we say that it meant $60,000 real quick. And uh, so that's another part of the consultant. So it's uh, it's very broad. Um, you know, the the brand ambassadoring, you know, having a, uh, a pit company or charcoal company or something like that wants you to go and do demos. That's part of the consulting and brand ambassadoring. So it's, it's, uh, you know, it's broad, but I wanted it to be that way, so I wouldn't limit to my limit myself to, you know, just specializing in one thing. So that that's the that's that part of it. Mate, that sounds like a very good strategy to me. I I love the sound of that. Now, I heard that you leveraged that into a really good opportunity, and that you're now a fully fledged TV barbecue personality. 
How did that come about and what was that uh, experience like? Well, it's, you know, it, it came about, I guess, I'd have to almost say our our, our whole cooking team is, is full of uh, barbecue personalities and TV personalities. I, I think I'm one of uh, about five that now have uh, done a TV show and uh, that are just on my team. So, it, and that kind of came about with, with uh, you know, Leslie, she's my cooking partner and and uh, she, you know, she was on the uh, chop about four or five years ago, and and uh, you know, just just said, hey, you know, you're perfect for what they're looking for. You know, I've been through this. I'm telling you, you need to, you know, you need to talk to them. And then, you know, producer came out and talked to me and went through the process. And you know, last year was on uh, Chop Grill Masters, and and uh, did that show, and and it went real well. And, uh, and so, you know, even after that, you, you start getting recognized and, you know, especially at events that you do. And, and so, you know, that kind of helps the brand a lot once you're, you know, national TV and, and, uh, but you know, the big thing is, is just being genuine, you know, being who you are and not trying to turn on a different personality just because of the TV on it. You know, I, I'm, 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 you know, Mississippi Delta uh, country boy. And, you know, when it went to the TV, I didn't try to try to polish up anything and, you know, be somebody I was. So, and I think that came through. And I think that was uh, what was conveyed through the TV was, you know, hey, this guy's genuine. He loves what he's doing. And, and uh, you know, it's it's kind of uh, kind of been been fun, really. Keeping it real in reality television, mate. That's refreshing. <laughs> There's so much fake reality TV out there, I can't even start. Yeah, you're exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, and, and, and TV is one thing that, uh, that has really blown barbecue up to the point where it is now. I mean, once, you know, the, the show started hitting TV, the barbecue pit wars, barbecue pit masters, uh, you know, and then the chops started having their grill masters and then, you know, it, it was just started one TV show after another. And, and so everybody started, you know, seeing these barbecue personalities and actually getting to see what these people do. And, and so that, that's what really took off industry wide. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's kind of interesting. We've just recently had, um, kind of a best of series of, uh, of barbecue pitmasters hit Netflix here in Australia. Um, cause we have different Netflix libraries to what you have over there. And, uh, some of these episodes are from 2012 and, uh, the Aussie audiences over here are still, still raving about it, still right into it. There's still current threads on, uh, you know, conversation threads on Facebook, uh, groups and all that sort of stuff. It's, it's, it's fascinating what that medium can, can bring to an industry. Yeah, I think uh, I think in 2012 may have been when uh, Leslie and Gary from our cook team was on Barbecue Pitmaster. So uh, it's it's uh, it, that's you know like I said that's when everything really started ramping up as far as uh, the, the the visibility of barbecue. And now you know once it it goes over there uh, across the pond, you know things caught on too. And I I got to witness that firsthand. So uh, it was pretty cool. So you have a bit of a bit of an Aussie connection. I understand that you came out last year and you were guest chef at uh, Yaks in WA. 
So uh, how, how was that, mate? And how did you like the, the Aussie barbecue scene? Uh, you know, coming over to Australia last year, Leslie and I, it was a, uh, it was, you know, we're, 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 we're humble people, you know, and, and being able to come over and do that was just a, a definitely probably up to now is a highlight of my barbecue career, you know, to be able to come over there and, and be recognized and, and, and to, uh, be a part of that culture. I mean, it was just, uh, it was very refreshing, you know, to come over there really, really took me back to, to when I was really getting in and starting, you know, to cook barbecue, you know, the, the, the simplicity of the pits and, the the, uh, uh, just the energy of the cooks and the, the willing to, to learn and, and the wanting to know, Hey, how do you do it? And, you know, it's one of those when you start talking about it. I mean, it's almost like their inner tape recorder starts going, you know, and they're, they're just soaking it all in and, you know, and, and sleeping in the sleeping bag out on site all night long, you know, just things like that. And then when we did the award ceremony, you know, it was a, uh, uh, just seeing the excitement, but, uh, but yeah, they, they, they kind of go back to how we got there. Um, you know, we were, we got approached in New York. Uh, we cook up there at the big apple barbecue block party and, you know, we, we get approached a lot as far as people saying, Hey, we'd like to do this and you'd be a part of it. We'd like to do that. And you'd be a part of it. And, you know, you kind of hand a card out and say, okay, you know, just give me a call or send me an email and, and, you know, a lot of times it doesn't happen, you know. It's just one of those that that uh, it, it happens a lot as far as getting approached, but a lot of things don't develop. And uh, we got back, and it was about a month later, we got an email saying, hey, you know, are you interested in what we talked about? And we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, not knowing that it would go anywhere from there, but a couple of months later, it was like, hey, we're ready to get plane tickets. <laughs> we're like, oh, hey, yeah, all right, this is going to happen. So, uh, uh, and, and it, and it happened and it was definitely refreshing to come over there and, and see the, the, uh, excitement that Australia has and, in the low and slow style of barbecue and, and doing what, you know, I've been doing for 24 years and it's just really, really ramped up and getting going there. And it, it was, it was, it was awesome to see. And I, I really would, uh, would love to come over and see it again. Yeah, I'll bet we'd we'd love to have you too, man. Now, this is going to be just a little bit of a sidetrack question. I just want to pick up on something you said before about being a, a guest chef at an event like this. What what sort of duties does a guest chef have at an event like like coming out to Australia for Yaks? Well, uh, you know, we, we we got there and and they had organized a uh, uh, they call it an all star banquet. Um, you know, where we got there and, and I tell you, it's, uh, you, you hear guest chef and you think, Hey, I'm just going to come and, you know, sit around and let people you know, talk to me and, and, and take pictures or something. But we got there and we worked <laughs> the whole time we were there. <laughs> we worked hard. And, uh, but you know, that's what we do. I mean, it's like, it, that's our element. I mean, we, we wouldn't know any other way. Um, but when we got there, you know, we did the, the, uh, all-star banquet and we cooked three hogs for it. And, and, uh, we did, you know, our, our, uh, barbecue chicken that we do that's really, really good. And we did some side dishes. We did a fermented cheese, mac and cheese and, 
and uh, you know, and put on that banquet. And uh, fortunately, we got there. It was really interesting, uh, you know, because we had to make our own sauces. You know, we had to make our own rubs when we got there, and and things are different as far as products and taste and and you know what your what your say mustard and mayonnaise taste like different from what ours tastes like, you know, just because of, of, uh, I guess, additives and preservatives and things like that. So that was really interesting when we got there. We had to develop as, as close as we could, you know, our dry rubs and our sauce and, and, uh, and get that done. But, uh, so that was just another interesting part of, of, uh, of the differences, you know, in here and there. Um, but it, once we did the, I'm jumping around a little bit, but, but once we did the VIP banquet, you know, we went right into, uh, going to the area and getting it set up. Cause we actually had a vending booth, uh, at the festival that we cook product and we sold product there at the festival. And, uh, and we also did a, uh, demo. Uh, we did a couple of demos, uh, at the festival. Um, you know, so we had that obligation to, and just, you know, basically talking to people and, and, uh, and I went around and I made a point when I was there to go around and talk to all the, t- the cooking teams kind of while they were, you know, in the trenches, so to speak and cooking and, and just to meet them and, and just to, uh, you know, just get to know everybody. You know, that's, that's just kind of what I like to do. I like to network through things and get to know folks. And like I said, with social media now, keep up with everybody. And I've, I've done that since I left there. And, uh, and so that's, uh, that's kind of, kind of the whole thing, you know, and then you, you jump on the plane and you know, as well as anybody, the, the flight there and flight back, you know, it's rough. Taking four <laughs> full days out. Oh man. You know, uh, that was, uh, that was another experience of, uh, I've heard of jet lag, but that was just a whole different, uh, that was just, that was different. Uh, I, I, it took me a week to get, get my clock set back right. Yeah, I hear you, man. I I did the trip twice last year and it didn't seem to affect me. But this last trip, man, it's it's been two weeks. I've only just started feeling good this weekend. It's incredible. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know. So what's coming up in the future, man? What's coming up for Barbecue Ninja? I'll tell you, you know, we, we, uh, we've got a lot going on. Um, you know, we got a lot as a team going on and, you know, I'm trying to, you know, get, uh, get my brand established and trying to get some momentum going there. And, and so, you know, we, we just, just amongst the U-Bonds team, we probably during the year are going to have now about 10 festivals through the year to do. And, uh, we'll go from, you know, New York, Chicago, St. Louis, Denver, um, New Orleans, Memphis, uh, um, you know, so that's enough to keep anybody busy. And, uh, and of course through doing all that, you know, I'm, I'm trying to also get a brand established and try to, uh, attract sponsors for the team and myself and, and, uh, just, uh, get out there and do what we do, you know, cook, meet people and, and, uh, you know, make friends along the way that's that's the big part of, of what i do and what we do this is mark lambert with operation barbecue relief and you are listening to smoking hot confessions 
The Smart Fire is an essential barbecue accessory for anyone who loves their barbecue but still wants to spend as much time as possible with their friends and family. It's a Wi-Fi and Bluetooth pit controller which allows you to monitor and control the ambient temperature of your charcoal smoker from the convenience of the purpose-built smartphone app. Just tell the Smart Fire what you're cooking, set your target temperatures and let the Smart Fire take care of the rest. It's got a range of world-first features. 5-volt power makes it easy to run wherever you are, and cloud connectivity means you can be at the shops picking up last-minute supplies or at your kid's soccer match and still keeping an eye on the cook. To get your Smart Fire and start spending more of your free time doing more of the things you love, head to smartfirebbq.com and use the code word SMOKINGHOTCONFESSIONS, one word, at checkout to save 10%. That's smartfirebbq.com and use the code SMOKINGHOTCONFESSIONS, one word, at checkout to save 10%. Alrighty, Craig, welcome back to segment two. In this segment, we're going to dig into that uh, particular specialty of yours, whole hog. It's a category that's just kind of picking up here in Australia. I've only sort of seen it in competitions in the last 12 months or so. So I'm really going to pick your brains now about whole hog. How do you feel about that? Uh, you know, whole hog is, is, uh, is it, to me, it's just kind of like it, once you perfect that, then you can work down from there and you can figure anything else out. Those you know, being able to get that hog perfect from the snout to the tail is uh, is is when you have perfection. Yeah, no doubt. To me, it seems to be the like one of the pinnacle skills for a pitmaster. I reckon to be able to do the whole beast and get it all right from from uh, tail to snout. So, are there any particular cultural or heritage significances for the whole hog? So, for example, I know that a lot of different beef cuts are steeped in, say, Texan cowboy lore. Is there anything similar for whole hog? Well, whole hog now is is really really starting. I guess the the breeding of the hogs in in the United States have uh, has really started to be an art in itself. Just as much as cooking one, you've got a lot of these uh, these these uh, small uh, farms that are coming up that are you know specializing in certain breeds of hogs you know you're you got anything from your Berkshires to your red wattles to uh you, you know the, and, and that particular farm will have that type hog and they'll you know nurture that hog from a piglet till it hits your pit so um so there is uh you know we have the duroc hogs here and and which are, are great fat content hogs and, and uh, you know, it's so yeah, it's it is it, once you get to doing a whole hog a lot, um, you have you, you kind of migrate to a favorite that you like because of you know whether you like it a little more lean, a little more fat, or or what, but it's just what you get comfortable with, and uh, and it's what breed you get comfortable with. It, and so, uh, but yeah, there is a lot of different breeds and, and there's a lot of different, you know, ways of cooking the different breeds because of fat content, muscle content and, and different things like that. Mate, that's fascinating that they're actually breeding pigs specifically for barbecue. Oh yeah. Yeah. There, there, there is, uh, there is people that, <laughs> that have barbecue teams that will raise their own hogs. And uh, so, yeah, it's just become that uh, that far along where 
people are actually, like I said, for their own benefit, raising their own hogs. They know what they're feeding it. They know what, you know, there's some that feed them nothing but pecans because they want, you know, that kind of flavor going into the meat. And there's some that feed them just corn. And, you know, so they kind of even specialize that much into that particular hog that, you know, they're going to try to go to, say, Memphis and May and win a world championship with. So, uh, you know, it, it's just, it, it's the same, I guess, premises of buying wider beef. I mean, you know, you're going to pay top dollar, but, hey, if you're going to win and compete, then that's what you got to do, you know. Yeah, I just, I can't imagine Gold Coast City Council letting me set up a, um, a run of pigs out the back here. <laughs> that's uh, that's taking it to a whole other level, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, maybe a little difficult for you, but hey, you know, where there's a wheel, there's a way. Yeah. So, mate, can you give us a rundown on all the different ways of cooking a whole hog? You know, there's there's so many there's so many different ways, and there's so many different pits, and so many different styles, and and uh, just over the years that that I've done it, um, you know, anywhere from a you know a center block pit all the way to, you know, an old hickory, you know, double wide. It's got the convection technology, you know, it's, and everything in between, you know, an offset, uh, you know, is a different way. You've got your, your style, like a running style pig, you know, the shoulders up, belly's down, looks like it's running, Um, you know, just put stuff in the cavity, maybe a number 10 can to prop up the back. So it, you know, looks like that and then you know there's another style where uh, a good friend of mine great pit master skip, skip still does he, he takes the actual skin off the hog all the way down to the belly preserves the skin on the belly but takes the rest of the skin off the hog and you know puts rub and glaze all along the outside of the hog and and uh so that's another style and and uh and then they i call it the uh uh belly up you know, laid open hog. Uh, that's another style, which that style gets a lot of, lot more bark in the cavity of the hog. Um, it, it, and we have an, another term is called a breakfast hog, where people will split down the loin, take the ribs and separate them away, and they put breakfast sausage all the way down the loins and put bacon across it. And what that does is, is it, it preserves that loin and, and of course, you're cooking sausage and bacon down into it as you cook it, so you get a great flavor into it, and it you know bodes well in a blind box when somebody you know eats eats a piece of that. So, um, but yeah, there's there's another style looks like running where they hourglass the top of the hog, you know, cut out almost an hourglass shape from the front shoulder down along the loin into the hams and remove the skin. You know, put rub there, uh, inject the hog all along there, and and uh, you know that's another way. Uh, but but a lot of the hogs I've cooked have been offset. There's a guy on our team, Brian Campbell, that cooks a wonderful hog. Uh, learned a lot from him. He cooks on a old you know propane tank barrel offset, and been doing that for 25 years, and. Uh, and so anywhere from that to, like I said, the old Hickory DW with the convection technology where, you know, you put that hog in there and it's got a lazy suey that 
comes out and rotates so you don't have to reach in the back of the pit to try to get to the other side of the hog. You just pull it out, spin it, put it back in, you got the other side of the hog. <laughs> you know, so uh but yeah, and that's something that over the years I've tried to do, you know, is with anything that pertains to barbecue. If I know somebody out there that is good at what they do, they've mastered a hog or they've mastered a rib or they've mastered a brisket or, or a shoulder, I'm going to learn from them. You know, I'm going to go over and I'm going to offer my help. <laughs> you know, let me help you do this. And, and you know, we're, we're to the point now where, we're not doing, like I said, in many competitions. So there's not secrets, you know, there's not somebody, you know, with sides all around their tent going, Hey, you know, we don't want you to see what we're doing. You know, a lot of what we're doing now is everybody's like, yeah, come on, you know, see what we're doing. And, uh, and that's what I do. I go, I learn and, uh, and, and figure out the different styles and, and, uh, and put it to work. Yeah. So, you've obviously come up with your own method of, of doing this now from all this sort of, you know, metamorphosis of all these different styles. Can you give us a rundown on your favorite way to do a whole hog? Personally, my favorite way is, is, is the running style hog. Um, you know, it's, uh, that hog shows the best, if that makes sense. What it does is, is it actually has that hog propped up and it looks like it's, it looks like it's running. I mean, that's why it's called that style. And, uh, you know, we cooked one in Houston like that, that running style and it was propped up. And, and what we did is we kind of had it right at the door. So when people walked through the door, the first thing they saw was that, that hog right there looking at, them, you know, and it was propped up and, uh, those people, they, as soon as they came through the door, the first thing they would do is stop. And they were looking at that hog and they're like, Oh wow, look at that. So so not only for the, the 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 style, what that does is with the running, the fat that's in that hog as it cooks renders into the meat. And so it's rendering down into the meat, so you're getting that benefit of the of the fat on the outside of the hog cooking down into the hog. And uh and so between that and that hog propped up looking like it's, it's, it's about to take off and run off that table. Uh, I, I definitely like that style the best. Man, that sounds so good. So good. <laughs> so that, that rendering fat that you were talking about before, does that, um, is that what stops the different parts of the hog from drying out? Because I know that different parts typically will cook in different ways. Yeah, it, it, it does. It, it's 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 the the low and slow style, uh, especially with a running hog, um, because your loins are up top. Um, cooking it at a low temperature is the, the way I have done it, and the way my experience is with that is, is that's the better way with a running hog because you're putting less heat on those loins that are at the top, and so they're not cooking as fast. Um, they're cooking a little slower, so your rendering is slower, so everything gets done at the same time. Now, the cavity up hog, you know, when you flip it over and you cook it on its back, the whole concept of that is, is when that fat renders, it goes into the skin, and the skin acts as a bowl, and it holds all that fat in the bowl so that meat's cooking in the fat. 
So that that's that concept is like it's impossible for this meat to dry out because it's it's basically bubbling in fat, <laughs> you know. Now that's and, interesting. Uh, but and in that style, you know, people will introduce or, I, or what I'll do and what I did in Houston is I'll put a pork belly over the tenderloins of the hog. So that pork belly is pr- protecting those tenderloins, and it's also slowing that cooking process down. So when you're trying to get those, you know, 12-pound hams, you know, a piece done or 15-pound hams done, in the same time you're trying to get a, you know, pound and a half, two-pound loin done, you got to slow it, you know, you got to slow that part down so the other part will catch up. And that's the whole concept of cooking that whole hog and getting everything from the front shoulders to the loin, to the tenderloin, to the ham, all done at the same time. That's the art. Yeah, I'd, I'd imagine that's that, that can be quite tricky. I I love the fact that, that one of the techniques to cooking a whole pig is to add more pig. You're talking about um, you, you're talking about adding a pork belly to it. I love that. Yeah, yeah, it, it, pork belly, uh, or if you happen to not have one of those, butterfly out a, a, a pork butt, you know, to protect those loins and tenderloins. And even like I said previously, there's people that align that that loin with breakfast sausage and lay bacon across it for that that same reason, you know, to slow down the cooking of those loins. And to so the shoulders and hands will will catch up, so to speak. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. So good. So is the is the goal to have the whole pig come out at, at roughly the same texture? Well, you know, the, the thing about when you say texture, um, the different cuts of the hog are all different textures. Um, you know, the, my favorite thing to do is is, is when you got people there watching and you're doing a, a you know, wedding catering or you're doing a party or something like that, it's reach in and to the belly of that hog and pull out what we call pig spaghetti. You know, that's the belly. Yep. That's your bacon. But that's the that's your true bacon. And you call it pig spaghetti and you reach in and you pull it out and it it looks like, you know, cooked spaghetti strands, you know, and uh uh so that's that's the texture of the belly. You know, and then you've got the hams, which are a longer, wider, you know, muscle. I say wider when it cooks, it's white. Um, and and the long, longer muscles are in the ham where, the you know, the front shoulder has the shorter. you got the shank in there. You've got the, you know, the, the what they call money muscle up at the spine where the, where the tender loin is, where the loin is. So, you know, you, you, you've got already you've got different textures of meat on that hog all the way down, you know? And so it's just a matter of getting them to the to the temperature you're looking for and taking it off at the perfect time. God, that's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Yeah, it it is. uh, It's a beautiful beast. Yeah. (laughs) So one question that, that most people new to whole hog want answered is, does the skin get all crackled up when cooking whole hog? Um, I'll tell you a couple of techniques that'll, that'll help with that. Um, the, now, if you do it running style, you know, you, your skin, you want to you want to protect the skin also. Um, and what we do is at Uvons, and what I learned from Brian Campbell that cooks whole hog with us, 
is he he'll once he puts that hog in there, he'll oil the skin, you know, with vegetable oil or olive oil, and then what he'll actually do is is tuck a bed sheet around that hog and lay it over and have that out, outer skin protected by that bed sheet so the smoke from the fire doesn't turn that skin too dark. It doesn't blacken the skin. That bed sheet protects that. It, it still gets the smoke in the, in, in the underbelly, but it protects the outer skin from getting too dark or black. And, you know, it, when, when you're low and slow in a hog, that skin is not going to ever be edible um, unless you do a, a hotter, faster uh, cook on it, you know, a direct heat, so to speak, to make that skin bubble and crackle and, and make it edible. Other than that, the low and slow part, that skin is not going to be edible. It's going to be way too chewy and tough. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can see why. That, that, that makes a lot of sense. So overall, what would be your top three tips for cooking a whole hog? Well, uh, the center block pit would probably be number three. Uh, number two would, would certainly be uh, an offset uh, stick burner. Um, and number one is, is, you know, the old hickory PW. Um, it's just a uh, It's just a consistent – and it's working smarter and not harder. And it is, it produces a consistent product every time. Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. Whether you're an occasional backyard smoker, an avid barbecue competitor chasing a place on the national ladder, or a restaurateur looking for a full commercial installation, Hogpit Smokers' personalised service and hand-built quality won't disappoint. Hogpit Smokers was founded in 2015 and with over 30 years experience in the boiler making industry, Jamie is a wizard with a welder and works from his own original designs. As a result, all Hogpit smokers are 100% Australian made, and with the quality of workmanship and the highest attention to detail, your Hogpit smoker will be made to last a lifetime. Custom work is no problem for Jamie, as he loves finding inventive solutions to unique situations. To find out more, check out Jamie's website. It's hogpitsmokers.com.au. That's hogpitsmokers.com.au. Mr. Barbecue Ninja, it's segment three, our lightning round. So I'm just going to ask you a very quick question and you can give me a rapid fire, one word or one sentence answer. Ten quick questions, real quick. You ready? Um, G said no, no, ready to go. Awesome. All right, number one, brisket, fat side up or down? Down. Two, chicken, breast, wings or thighs? Wings. Three, pork ribs, St. Louis, baby back or spare? Uh, baby back all the way. Uh, number four, sauce. On the meat or on the side? On the meat. You got a good sauce, want to use it. <laughs> awesome. Five, temps. Low and slow or hot and fast? Low and slow. Like I live. <laughs> number six, what's something you find tricky to cook? Alligator. Ooh, stop the clock. Alligator, that's interesting. How do you go about doing that? Well, I hunt them, I kill them, I clean them, I cook them, and I eat them. 
So, uh, <laughs> you know, but, but it's a, uh, it's a tricky, tricky meat to cook. You know, it's kind of in between, a, uh, you know, in between a fish and almost like a hog and a fish, you know, it's kind of, you know, different texture meat and, and, uh, it's tough to cook. It is. You can, you can cook it too much, too fast and, and it's no good and you get it right. It's great. So, yeah. I've been doing a little alligator hunting over the last few years. So, uh, that's, that's fun. That, that's something you need to do eventually. Yeah. I reckon my insurance company will love that. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Start the clock again. Number seven, one tip or trick you wish you'd known sooner. Uh, be patient. Number eight, the future. What do you think is going to be the next trend in barbecue? Uh, getting back to its roots. What does that entail? Well, just, uh, well, I mean, I can go back to when I started to where it is and, and thinking how it's going to get back to where it started. Just when I say back to its roots, barbecue has come uh, here in the States has gotten to be, uh, and, and I'm talking more competition barbecue. It's gotten to be more uh, money-driven. You know, the people who have the most money can buy the best cuts, can buy the best smokers, can buy the, you know, it has been doing, has been what's winning. And, uh, and so it's kind of evolved to he who has the most money wins. And now I think it's starting to trend back to, uh, you know, he can just, he who cooks good and produces the best product wins. I know that kind of sounds redundant because, you, you know, I, I think now it's getting to where a guy with a barrel cooker can produce uh, as good of a product, you know, with, than a guy with a $10,000 cooker. Um, so that's what I mean by getting back to his roots is more of a guy pulling up in, in a truck and popping a, you know, a homemade cooker out of the back and winning a competition instead of a guy pulling up with a, you know, $60,000 rig and, you know, throwing the sides up and winning a competition. So I think the little guy is, is going to get back to having as good of a shot at winning a competition as the guy coming in that's got all the money. And we all love rooting for the underdog, don't we? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's just mind-boggling when, you know, we've, we've been out of the competition world a little while and, and to go back to see one of them and to see just how much it's evolved, you know, and how much it's changed and, and the money being spent in it is just unbelievable, you know. Mm, yeah, for sure. So number nine, pellet grills in competitions, yay or nay? Yay. And number 10, if there were a fantasy barbecue league, who would you choose for your team? Uh, my first round pick would be Smoking Hot Smart Fires. Good choice. Good choice. <laughs> <laughs> mate, you've been very generous with your time and it's it's been very much appreciated. So, mate, the show is now all yours. So give whatever shout outs you want and tell the listeners where they can track you down on the internet. Uh, I mean, as far as uh, where you can track me down um, on Instagram, I'm at the Barbecue Ninja. Uh, Twitter, I'm at the underscore BBQ underscore Ninja and Craig Verhaga on Facebook. And uh, as far as shout outs, man, I just would I'd love to give a shout out just to the 
whole barbecue culture in Australia. Um, you guys are amazing. Um, I, you know, I've met so many wonderful people over the years, uh, in Houston last year, you know, got to met, got to meet, uh, uh, the, the Jagged folks, you know, Jules and Glenn, and, and got to meet, you know, Alan Stewart with, with Guerrilla Warfare and, and Stephen Carter with Liquor Pigs. And, you know, last year, uh, uh, you know, got to meet Jess Piles. And, and this year having, you know, you guys, Mark and Ben and, and, and Saffron and, and the guys uh, 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 that, that uh they were there it's just just you know has absolutely been a joy to hang around you guys and get to know you guys but also all the other teams i've met in australia love to get a shout out to you guys uh you, you're doing things right you're, you you've got a wonderful track that you're on you hold this track and the whole scene in barbecue in australia is going to continue to uh continue to explode so um and and I'm looking forward to the day I get back over there and get in the middle of it. Mate, we're looking forward to having you back over here as well. Thanks so much for sharing your time with me today, Craig. I had a ball meeting you in Texas and hanging out with you, and look, and I look forward to having an icy cold Bud Light with you again soon. Awesome, man. Looking forward to it, and uh, here's cheers to a wonderful 2018. Well, family, thanks for stopping by. I'm sure you learned as much here as I did. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review, and until next time, Take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions. <laughs>